we're holding your seats. Uh, the, the outside edges are doing pretty good. It's just this, this skunk stripe right down the middle right here that, that we need to get filled back up. If you know anybody who normally sits in the skunk stripe that hadn't been here for a while, let them know that we need them to be back so that they can fill their place in the house of the Lord. We need everyone, don't we? We need everyone. Now I'm ringing just a little bit, Bill, and, and, and work your magic and just make me not ring. There, that sounds pretty good right there. So let's just do that. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to take them and turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. I, I wanted to talk to you today about this passage of Scripture because I believe that we live in a world that is very similar to what is described in 1 Kings chapter 18. We've got a lot of people who, who like to sit on the fence. How many of you know that's true? I, I mean, you know, you hear me say it a lot. We like to just flirt with God and we like to flirt with, you know, coming to church and being a Christian and all that kind of thing. But I want you to hear me well today. We cannot sit on the fence. We have to be willing to get all in. Sitting on the fence doesn't help anyone. And it'll only make you tired because you don't know which way to lean. But I want you to understand today that God wants us fully in. So that we can have the fullness of His Spirit in our lives. So today I want to talk to you about this idea that our lives are not so much determined for us as they are by us as we make wise and unwise decisions. In other words, you're going to ultimately be the person that you are based on the decisions that you make and whether they are wise or whether they are not. There was a song written several years ago that was performed by a group called Steeler's Wheel. The name of the song is, I'm Stuck in the Middle with You. I don't know if you've ever heard it or not, but I'd like to share the lyrics with you this morning. It says, well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. You see, there are clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you and I'm wondering what it is I should do. It's so hard to keep this smile from my face, losing control. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Well, you started out with nothing and you're proud that you're a self-made man. And your friends, they all come crawling, slap you on the back and say, please. How many of you remember that part of the song? Please. So I'm trying to make some sense of it all, but I can see that it makes no sense at all. Is it cool to go to sleep on the floor? <laughs> I like that line. Because I don't think I can take any more because there's clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. How many of you remember that old song? So many people's here, people here today have heard that song. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 39, 
Let me just set it up for a moment. It's a historical event that takes place where the prophet Elijah comes to call the people of God, the Israelites, to get off the fence. Basically, what he is saying to them is, come on, make a decision. You ever known anybody that they just can't make a decision? This demon of undecision typically turns up when you go to the restaurant. Am I right about that? Or you drive through the drive-thru, and all of a sudden, all the sense that we have suddenly goes out the window because we can't decide what we want to eat. And I know people that purposefully let other people order first so that they can decide easier what it is that they want. And they'll just say, give me what that one got. That's how they order. Making decisions. Come on, make a decision. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning at verse 20. It says, so Ahab sent all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? The King James Version there says, how long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. And then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only am left as a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull, prepare it first for you are many and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. They took the bull that was given them and they prepared it called upon the name of Baal from morning until noontime, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered, and they limped around the altar that they had made. <clears throat> and at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a... Yes, that means he's going to the bathroom... Or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, and no one answered, and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it again. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it, on a, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. 
And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and he said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all of these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and even licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Let's pray. Father, we, we begin this message today with the acknowledgement that our belief says that you are the Lord God of Israel and that you are our Lord God as well. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to preach in such a way that it will settle into the spirit of the men and women that are here today and those who have joined us via live stream. And I pray that your spirit will light a fire in them and that you will help them and enable them to have the wisdom that they need to make a choice today to get off of that rickety old fence and decide today once and for all, I am not going to flirt around with Jesus. I'm going to take him as my Lord and I'm going to serve him with every ounce of energy that I have. Father, I ask it in your name, the name of your son, amen and amen. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that is, amazes me about God is that he did not create us as puppets. Aren't you glad you're not a puppet? He actually gives us the ability to make choices. We, we can choose to live however we want to live. He's given us that ability. We're his cherished creation. We're not puppets. And as his cherished creation, what it means is, is that he trusts you and he trusts you and he trusts you and he trusts me to take the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom that comes to us by the spirit and the word of God and to make choices in our life that will lead us into the fullness of God. At Spirit Life, we call this expanding the kingdom of God in us and in our circle of influence. You see, when we have God in our lives and his word is being active within us, we can't help but expand the kingdom of God because people will see us and the glory of the Lord that is in us and on us, and they're going to want what we have. But if all we ever do is just mully grub around and act like that we halfway live life and we don't know if we're going to make it today, much less tomorrow, and how in the world are we going to pull through this, they're not going to want to serve a God like that. But I'm telling you, when we make up our mind that I'm going to serve God in the fullness of his spirit and start living like it, people are going to say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. See, we think it all revolves around big decisions, but many of the choices we make are small. And they are seemingly insignificant da daily choices that when you add them all together, they create a legacy of influence. I'll tell you, when I die, I want people to say, 
that man influenced my life. I can't remember any of the messages he preached. I can't remember any of the sermons. It wasn't those big things that he did or did not. It, it, it wasn't that. It was just that every day. He just kept on going. He just kept on moving. He just kept on living in the light of God's word. And when it was all said and done, all of those small little daily choices added up to a lifetime and a legacy of influence. Amen. I want them to come by. I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be buried, if I'm going to be buried in one piece or in many. But however it is, I want people to come by whether they're looking at a casket or a bowl. I want them to say that man impacted my life because of the Spirit of God that was alive and well within him. Let me just set this up for you. The passage that we just read is very easy to understand it just it basically tells us that Israel had gotten away from the Lord and they were living in such a way that was contrary to the things that God had taught them and so God spoke to Elijah and he said I want you to go to Ahab and Jezebel and let them know that I'm getting ready to turn the tables here you've been in a season of famine now for the last few years but I'm getting ready to change that what was dry in your life before is about to get full of my provision. I'm going to make it rain on you. In Portland, I'm going to make it rain. In Louisville, I'm going to make it rain. In your life, I'm going to make it rain. You better go tell Ahab that things are about to change. And tell my people that I'm calling them back. And I'm finished with them halting between two opinions. Limping between two opinions. And so Elijah goes to Ahab and he said, Hey, I want you to get all the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of Asherah. And I want you to meet me on Karma, uh, Carmel. And we're going to have some fun today. So join me there and bring them, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little contest. We're going to see whose God is the real God. We're going to let you go first, and we're going to let you call upon your God. And if your God answers by fire and consumes what we put on the altar, then your God will be God. But if not, and the God of Israel answers by fire, then let's just go ahead and settle the issue today that God will be God. And so the Baal prophets came and they set it all up and they cut the meat and they put it on the altar and they, they begin to cry out to their God. They say, oh, God, you, you have got to come. Baal, you've got to come and, and you've got to strike this by fire and consume it. They prayed all morning long. They wept and they wailed. They acted crazy. They really acted like they were a bunch of Pentecostals, but they had no power. They had no spirit in them. They had no God who could give them the answer to their prayers. And they prayed and they wept and they danced. And then they, the, the Bible says they start cutting themselves according to their scripture. Maybe if I cut myself and bleed some, then God will pay attention. Baal will pay attention to our prayers and he'll do it. They did this all morning long. And finally about noon, you know the story. Elijah steps up and he said, I think you've had just about all the time that I'm going to let you have. Step on out of the way. 
and I'm going to come up and I'm going to do my thing and he repaired the altar and he set up the 12 stones uh, he dug the trench he put the seed in the trench he put the water in the trench he put water in again he put water in a third time and what he was doing is he was making it impossible for God to do uh, what the world thought he could do and so God was going to have to play on Baal's home court I like that. God was going to have to come to where Baal was and say, I can beat you at home. I can beat you on your own court. I can beat you in your own city. I can beat you no matter how big your fan base is. Uh, I know that I can beat you. And you know the rest of the story. 63 simple words in his prayer. He cries out to Almighty God. And God strikes from heaven the sacrifice that is on the altar. And the people of God who had said nothing before. Who had not answered him a word. Declared the Lord God. He is God. The Lord, He is God. They got off the fence and they made up their mind that the God of Israel is the true and living God. Aren't you glad to know that that hasn't changed today? He is still our God. He is still our Lord. He is still our Savior. He's everything we need Him to be. Some of you just have to make up your mind uh, that you believe what the Word of God teaches and jump in uh, to the flow of the river and live in the fullness of the Spirit. You see, Elijah knew that indecision is deadly. The people of Israel were struck somewhere, stuck somewhere between futility and faith. They, they needed to make up their mind. They were wasting their time believing in a God like Baal. And Elijah challenged them to turn fully to the God of Israel when he asked this question. He said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. You see, they were still on the fence. They still were not ready to make the choice and the decision. They wouldn't just take Elijah's word for it. They needed proof. They needed proof positive that this God was able to do what Elijah was saying he could do. So they were fearful. They wanted proof. And they were lacking the necessary knowledge and understanding and wisdom that would move them off of the fence and into the fullness of the Spirit. Now, all last year, you heard me talking about that, the big threes. You've you got to have knowledge. You've got to have understanding. You've got to have wisdom. If you don't have all three of those, you will not be able to live successfully in Christ. You've got to have them all. You've got to have the information. If you don't have information, you can't make a choice. Once you get the information, you have to have the understanding, the light has to come on in your spirit concerning that information. And then once the light comes on, you have to say, now, Lord God, I need you to fill me with the fullness of your spirit so that I can activate all of this wisdom and knowledge and understanding in my life. Give me what I need to be successful. So basically, basically again, what Elijah is now saying to them is stand back and watch. But when we finish up what we're going to do today, I'm going to ask you once again, come on and make a decision. Get off the fence and make a choice. How do we do this? 
Well, first of all, we understand that wise decisions emerge from our conscience. Now, the, the Webster Dictionary says conscience is the sense of consciousness of the moral goodness or blameworthiness of one's own conduct, intentions, or character together with a feeling of obligation to do right or to do good. It is the conformity to what one considers to be correct, right, and morally good. How many of you know that God gives us a conscience to work with? And that we have, the scripture says, that he has given to every man a measure of faith. So I don't care who you are today. I don't, where, I don't care where you came from. I don't care if you were raised in church or you'd never been in a church before until today. Some of you out there on live stream, you maybe have never been in a church before in your life. Let me tell you that God, you love you so much, all of us, that he put within us in the creative process, the ability to believe. He's given to every one of us a measure of faith that we can use. And then we build on that faith. We build up ourselves on the most holy faith. The way that we do that is by ingesting the word of God. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. We all have the ability today to feed our consciences so that we can make wise decisions out of them. You see, he was appealing to their conscience. Here's why. Number one, they already knew that they should not be following false gods. They understood that they'd been taught that their whole life. To follow a false god is a false religion and a false belief system. They had a rich history. They had a body of evidence of God's work in their lives. Think about it. God had rescued them time and time and time and time and time again. He had never withheld anything good from them. And so they were able to draw from this body of work that God had worked in their lives in such a way that they now knew that God was in fact able to do what God said he could do. Here's the problem with our conscience. Our conscience can be affected by the things that we put into our lives. It tends to reflect what it is fed. And for too long, the Israelites had been dining at the table of Ahab. For too long, they'd been rubbing up against the wrong crowd. They'd been in uh, and under Ahab's rule and Jezebel. And so as a result of that, they were being fed physically and they were being fed spiritually. They were being fed physically because there was famine in the land. That's, God tells us that. There had been no rain. And so there was no food. There was no, nothing to eat. There were no crops that could be raised. And so they were going to eat. They had to do so at the table of Ahab, so to speak. Ahab was the one doling out the provisions. It was Ahab who was giving them their daily bread instead of God. The psalmist said, give me this day my daily bread, not Ahab giving it. But they were sitting at the table of Ahab and he was giving them the provision for their life. And because he was giving them provision, they were accepting the, the mentality of Ahab and the prophets of Baal and Asherah. 
So physically, they were sitting at the table of, of Ahab. But not only that, spiritually. And hysterically, historically, we know that the, the prophets of God had been silenced. Many of them had been killed. Some of them had escaped and were hiding in the cave. And so no one was preaching the message of God. No one was giving them godly information. The only thing they was hearing, they were hearing is what was coming from the world. The only thing that came into their mind was what was coming through society and the secular world and the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. And the voice of God was being silenced by the government and who was in charge. Does that sound like the day that we're living in now? Does it sound like what, what we have to put up with right now? You watch the news and all you can hear is what the media thinks you ought to know. The politicians are telling us what they think we ought to know. The celebrities are trying to tell us how to, how to live our lives and what we ought to believe and what we ought not to believe. I'm telling you, church, as we draw closer to the coming of Jesus Christ... We're going to have to make some hard decisions about who we're going to listen to and who we're going to shut up and who we're going to hear. Yeah. Just, just a couple of nights ago, Donna and I were sitting at the house and we were watching TV and we really don't watch a lot of TV. There's nothing really that I enjoy watching that much. But we were watching a show that we normally do watch. It normally is fairly safe in terms of those kinds of things. And all of a sudden, right off the bat, they started pushing this political agenda down our throats about the freedoms uh, that should be afforded, uh, LBGTQ and all, all of those kinds of things, and, and just shoving it and shoving it and shoving it and laying guilt upon those who believe that the Word of God teaches that there is a man and a woman created by God and that he... His design and His plan for men and women to be together. And I'm sitting there listening to it. And the longer I listen to it, the more frustrated I'm getting. And finally, it dawned on me. The understanding came. The light bulb came on. I don't have to watch it. I don't have to watch that. And I flipped it off and I went somewhere else. I, I didn't flip it off. I turned it off. I'm telling you, when you get the anointing on you, you never know what you're going to say. I, I, I turn it off and decide I don't have to watch that. My wife doesn't have to watch that. I don't have to let that nonsense come into my life. It's not that I'm not in, that I don't love people and, and support people and try to bless people. I just know what the Word of God has to say about it. And therefore, I'm not going to compromise my belief of what God's Word teaches and declares. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. I don't need some celebrity telling me what I need to believe. I don't need some politician telling me whether or not I should accept abortion or not. I know what the Bible teaches about abortion. I know what it says about it. And if you've had an abortion today, I love you and I thank God for God's grace. Amen. But God did not intend for us to be killing our babies. He intended for us to be giving life to them and raising them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just saying if we're not careful, our conscience 
can be affected by the voices that are not coming from God, but are coming from the world. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Did, did you know that your conscience can be seared? As with a hot iron, that, that means that, that it, it affects it, uh, the skin where it is. It puts scar tissue over it. You can't feel it anymore. It's susceptible to sickness and disease more so than the rest of your body. When we are seared with a hot iron, and, and what Timothy is saying here is that if we're not careful, we will allow our conscience to be seared with the things of the world so that when it comes time to get down off of the fence, and when it comes time to make a decision, and when it comes time to stand for what is right, and when it comes time to be the people of God, we'll not know that it's time because we will not feel and sense the moving of the spirit of God that is in us conscience conscience secondly wise decisions embrace reason see the next thing that Elijah does is he appealed to human reason he appealed to their common sense. Now, let, let me just go on record as saying there's such a thing as common sense and spiritual sense. And what we're talking about here is not common sense from the world's perspective, but spiritual sense from God's perspective. Did you know that there are some things that you just don't, you don't need to pray about it? Because God has already declared in his word what we should do, what we should say, how we should live. I don't have to ask God if I should steal something from you. I don't have to fast and pray and see if I, I need to commit this kind of action and activity that will not bring glory to God. I don't have to pray about that because his word has already given me the answer. I don't need to, Lord, I need wisdom. Should I do this? Should I commit this sin? Should I steal from my boss? Should I lie to my neighbor? Should I? You don't need to pray about that. Let me take it another step. You don't even need to pray about doing good to people who are around you. If you see someone in need, you don't have to pray and say, God, should I help them? You, you see somebody who needs some supply or some resource, you know, should I help them? Sure you do. You reach out to them. You, you don't have to pray about that. God has already made his will clear. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about we should be able to operate on a regular basis in the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom that has been given us by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Amen. So he, he, he appealed to their human reason. How do I know that? Well, think about this with me. Baal was the God of fire. That's how he was known to the people who served him and worshiped him. Baal was the God of fire. So when Elijah came, he said, since your God is so good at fire, let's create an environment where it'll be easy for him. He, does, he doesn't have to do something that he's not used to doing. He can do something that he does all the time if he is Baal and if 
He is the God of fire. So let's just put an altar together and let's put all this stuff up there and let's just call upon the name of your God, Baal, who is the God of fire. And let's ask him not for rain. Let's don't ask him for, for a, a quarter pounder with cheese. But let's don't ask him for some dessert. Let's don't ask him for this, that, or the other. Let's ask him for fire. Because if anybody can provide fire, Baal should be able to provide fire. You know, sometimes we think that the devil's our best friend. If I just hang out with the devil, he'll provide this, that, and the other. If I just do what the devil wants me to do, I'll have fun and life will be good. And we accept the things of the devil. It's easy for him to tempt you. It's easy for, get, for him to get you thinking about things that are contrary to the, to the will of God. It's what he does. He's a liar. He is the father of lies. And it's not difficult for the devil to lie to you. And it shouldn't have been difficult for Baal to bring fire from the heavens. But sure enough, he couldn't even do that. When they started asking him, and oh, you know, bless you, Baal. Thank you, Baal. Listen, we're just asking you for a thing that you can do on a regular basis. We're just asking for fire. Would you just give us a little fire? Elijah had set the table for Baal to come in and rule and reign and do what he could easily do. But even in the environment where the table was set for this false god, he could not bring fire to the table. Common sense would say, if the God I've been serving is unable to do the thing that he is famous for, then why should I consider worshiping a God who is worthless to me? Let me tell you something. We serve worthless, false gods in our life all the time. We worship our job because we think our job is our source of provision. Your job is not your source of provision. God is your source of provision. We marry someone and we think that they complete us. They don't complete you. Half the time they keep you frustrated. They're the ones who keep you on your knees praying to God. God help me to be able to live with this person a little bit longer. They don't complete you. They don't have the ability to complete you. They can be your partner. They can stand beside you. They can love you. They can hold your hand in difficult times. They can be the love of your life. They can be all those things. But I want to tell you there are some things that your spouse will never be able to do for you. And in those moments and in those times, you're going to lift your voice up and your head up and declare, my help comes from the Lord God common sense. I love my wife, but I don't worship her. I love my, my wife, but I don't kneel before her. And I don't say, whatever you say, dear, I will be glad because you are my God. Listen, if your spouse is your God, you're in a world of hurt. I'm just telling you right now, you need to go shopping for a different God. You may love them. You may care about them greatly. And I'm happy and I'm glad for you. But they can never be God to you. They can never be Jesus to you. There's only one name given among men. Whereby men must be saved. And it is the name of Jesus. Why don't you give him praise in the house this morning. 
Somebody said common sense is seeing things as they are and doing things as they should be done. And that's really what Elijah was trying to get them to understand. This Baal, this God of fire, what I'm trying to show you is that if you'll use your spiritual sense, if you will use your common sense, if a God whose claim to fame is that he can create and sustain and maintain fire, if he cannot do that, he is not a God worth serving. But I'm about to show you a God who is worth serving. Thirdly, wise decisions employ God's word. And some of us are powerless because we don't have a clue what the word of God has to say. I'm trying to be as nice as I know how to be, but listen, as good of a preacher as I am, (laughs) I'm not enough for you. Baby, you need to open your own Bible and you need to read your own Bible and you need to get knowledge and understanding on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. You need to get the word of God in your spirit. So that you'll know what God's word has to say about this thing called life. We have to employ God's word. And I like what, what, I, what Elijah did when he started his prayer. He said, Lord, I just want to remind you of something in verse 20, 36. He said, everything I've done today, I've done according to your word. I haven't made anything up. I didn't add to it. I didn't say that's a good starting place, God. I'll take that as a foundation and I'll add to it. No, he said, everything that I've done, I've done according to your word. Whatever I've said, I've said because of your word. Whatever I've done, I've done because of your word. However I've lived today, I've lived because of what your word has declared to me. According to your word. Now, I want you to notice three things that that come out at us in this this passage. First of all, he started with the right message. The right message was, is that I need to remind everybody here that we are the community of faith. We're God's people. We are in covenant with God himself. And he says this, he said, the God that I'm praying to, just so that you'll know, is not Baal. It's not Asherah. It's not anyone else. The God that I'm praying to right now is the Lord God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Israel. And we are in covenant with God. And because we're in covenant with God, then God is going to come and he's going to provide everything that we have need of. Listen, church, we're in covenant with God today. We don't pray to whatever God we want to pray to. We don't pray to the gods of this world that we could call off by name. No, when we pray, we pray to the one that we are in covenant to. We pray to the one who is standing beside us. We pray to the one who lives inside of us. We pray to the one whose spirit is in us. We pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He had the right motive. He said, here's what we need to determine today. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. That's the only thing that mattered to him. He wasn't concerned about anything else. He didn't care if WDRB came to report. He didn't care if WLKY came by and said, we'd like to interview today, Elijah. 
How did this happen? How did you do this? He didn't care about any of that. He only cared about one thing. And that is when I'm done, when I'm finished, when I've said everything I can say, when I've done everything I can do, I want the people to declare and know without any shadow of a doubt that the God of Israel is the only true God. Listen, our church, the only thing that we need to be be declaring is that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the Savior of this earth. There's not multiple ways to get to heaven. There are not celebrities that can get us or politicians who can get us there. There's only one who can, and his name is Jesus. And that's the only thing that we should care about today. Are we lifting up the name of Jesus? And he did it in the right manner. He said, let it be known that I'm your servant. He didn't have some commercial and say, I just wrote a book. And you can get it on Amazon.com for $9.99. You can download it for $5.99. Send me a comment about how much you love it. Text me. You know, share it. Pass it. Let everybody know. Let them know I'm coming to Louisville in March of next year. You can buy tickets to come here, read a pray, play, or preach for $59.99. If you need a prophecy, come by. I'll give you one for 25 bucks. I better stop that junk right now because there's no, there's no place to sign. Let me tell you something. This message is not for sale. Freely we have received. Freely we are to give to those who are in need. He said, I'm just your servant. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if anybody else knows. It doesn't matter if anybody thinks I'm a good preacher. It doesn't, you know, I deal with that all the time. I'm, I'll be thinking, man, I wish I could preach like Jensen and I wish I could preach like T.D. Jakes. I don't want to look like him. I just want to preach like him. I, I wish I could preach like a Marilyn Hickey used to preach. I wish I could preach like Oral Roberts used to pray or preach. I wish I, but you know, I'm none of those people. I don't have their ability. I don't have their gifting. I don't have their calling. I've had people come up and say, Pastor, you know what I like about you? Because when you preach, a two-year-old can understand what you're saying. I, I don't know if that means that I'm childish or that I'm young. I mean, I don't know what it means, but here's what I'll say. Whatever gifts God has given me, whatever anointing he has blessed me with, I'm going to use it to preach about the glory of God so that people can hear about who he is. Doesn't matter if you go out of here and say, man, you you should come hear my pastor preach. Uh, I can't remember what his name is. In fact, I, I can't even remember what church I go to this week. I, I, I don't care about any of that. I really don't. I just want the Lord to be glorified and his name lifted. Because if we lift him up, all men will be drawn unto him. James 1, 5 and 8 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
where he is double-minded man, he is unstable in all of his ways. And if I can add just a little bit to it, he's unstable in all of his ways because he's riding the fence. Did you ever try to get your equilibrium when you got a, a fence stuck up between your legs? It's hard to do. Get off the fence. Make a decision. Decide. Proverbs 11 and 14 says, Where there is no guidance, people fail. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. And I need to close. What time is it? Oh, they haven't even dropped the fly, prize at KFC yet. You're good. Finally, wise decisions embody the heart. They embody the heart. Someone said, be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. I think I've got that on a slide. If you'll throw it up there so that somebody can see it and get anointed by it. Be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. You know what would be exciting to me? Is if everybody in this church would destroy fear. If you'd start saying, I don't care what the devil has to say about me or thinks about me, I'm not afraid of him anyway. I'm not going to let anxiety rule my life. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to stand up and declare what God has given me to declare. And whatever it means that I need to be doing to do that, I'm not going to let the devil hold me back. (laughs) I've been praying for myself lately. I don't know what it is about turning 60. I like it. But there's also this reality that comes with it that I'm not going to live forever. But as long as I'm alive, I want to have strength in my body. I want to have strength in my soul. I want my spirit to be on fire. I want my passion to be stirred. I don't want to be one of these pastors that just makes his way up to the pulpit and says, pray for me, saints of God. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this or not today, but if you'll help me, I'll try to do the best I can. And if I fall over dead before I'm done today, just sweep me up and throw me out in the backyard. It'll all be all right. I don't want to be one of those kind of people. I want to square my shoulders and declare I am the child of God. I have the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling and living and moving in me. I may go down one day but I'm not going down without a fight. I'm going to square my shoulders and go with every ounce of energy and every breath that is in my body. And I wish to the good Lord in heaven that I'd have some people in this church who would stand up and say, I'm tired of being a pew setter. I'm not going to come to church and just cross my legs and say, I wonder how long this is going to last today. I wonder if he's going to preach and sweat and spit and declare and all that kind of stuff. I wonder what songs they're going to sing. I wonder if somebody's going to get on my nerves. I wonder if somebody's going to do this or do that. I wish to God that somebody would declare, I'm a child of God. I'm as cold as that pastor is. And I'm not going to let the devil silence me. I'm going to be everything that God has called me to be. Oh, praise him today in this house. Praise him today in this house. Elijah walked over there and he looked at that altar that they'd made a mess out of. Had blood all over it from their own cuts. 
They had stinking animal meat that their God couldn't barbecue. It was a mess. He said, let me show you boys how to do this. And he started repairing the altar, the Bible says. He was passionate about making sure that the worship that he was getting ready to give to God was done so properly. I want you to notice some things. The broken altar was symbolic of the broken fellowship between the people and God. Some of you have broken your fellowship with God and you need to repair the altar. Listen to what I'm telling you today. God knows when, he, when you have broken fellowship with him, he won't leave you nor forsake you. But if you turn your back on him, there will be no fellowship there. And the broken altar of your life is symbolic of the broken fellowship between you and God. The 12 stones served as a reminder of the 12 stones that their fathers had left at Gilgal to forever remind them that he will remove any obstacle that stands in the way of you living in the fullness of Almighty God. Some of you need to start stacking some stones up and remembering all that God has done for you and all that he's done in the past so that when you look at them, you'll say, God, you've never failed me. There's never been a time in my life when you've let me fall. There's never been a time when you left me alone. There's never been a time. And God, now I know that you will supply everything that I need. The seed sown in the trenches was symbolic of the expectation of future harvest. Can I just be honest with you today? I've read this passage of scripture so many times. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to get done by 12 today. So if that offends you, you might as well go get chicken. Because I'm going to preach today. And we're going to pray today. And we're going to do whatever it is that God wants to do in this altar today. But I can't make it. I only got a few minutes left and I'm still full to overflowing with what God has put in my spirit today. I've read this passage of scripture, Pastor Danny, I don't know how many times, and I never really paid any attention to the fact that he trenched around the altar and he put seed in the trenches. Seed. It's because he knew that if I don't plant some seed, I have no expectation for the future harvest that God has for me. And he planted the seed. He was letting Israel know, if you want God to do this on your behalf, you better plant some seed. Can I tell you today, some of you better start planting some seed. Some of you better put something in the ground to give God something to work with. Because otherwise, no seed, no harvest. No seed, no crop. No seed, no faith. No seed, no expectation. No seed, and God will not be able to bless you because you have tied his hands when it comes to harvest in your life. God is able to all do all things, but he will not work against your free will. Some of you just need to start planting some seed. You need to start getting some seed in the ground. Some of you need to start loving somebody, forgiving somebody, giving grace to somebody. Some of you need to start smiling and put freedom in your life and kill depression in your heart and in your life and plant some seed. Some of you need to plant some seed. 
Otherwise, there will never be a harvest in your life. The animal, animal sacrifice pointed forward to a day when a man named Jesus would be sacrificed one time for all mankind to destroy all sin that ever exists on the face of the earth. Let me tell you something today. You may be living in sin this morning, but Jesus has already paid the price for you to be saved. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is who he says he is, uh, and he will forgive you of your sins, uh, write your name in the Lamb's book of life, uh, and remove that sin as far as the east is from the west. Get that video ready up there if you win. We're getting ready to pray. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 38 and 39. I'm out of breath. But I don't care. He'll give me breath. Verses 38 and 39. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah asked them, how long will you limp between the two choices that are before you today. And I'm asking you today, come on, make a decision. Choose life. Choose God. Choose His promises. But you can only do it. I can't do it for you. But if you'll do it, God will bless you. And just like He consumed everything on that altar, he consumed everything. He consumed not just the meat. He consumed the stones. He consumed the wood. He consumed the dust. He consumed it all. You say, well, I believe God can do this, but I'm not sure he can do that. I think he might be able to do this. I'm not sure if he can do that. I think maybe he might. If I pray hard enough, I see you're thinking that you've got to do all the work. No, all you've got to do is ask. And those who ask shall receive. He's already done everything that needs to be done. Moses said in Deuteronomy, he said, the Lord has put life and death before you. Choose life. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Luke in the New Testament says, you can't serve two masters. Because you will love one and hate the other, or you will hate one and, and, and love the other one. You can't serve two, so you got to get off the fence and choose one. And in Revelation, the Bible tells us that if we refuse to make a solid choice and get off the fence, that there will come a day when the Lord himself will spew us out of his mouth. Because he said, you're neither warm or cold. You're lukewarm. And because you're neither hot or cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. Listen, you got to make a choice. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you today. Make a decision. Stop playing around with life. 
Stop playing around. You don't know when your life might be taken from you. I'm not trying to scare anyone to make a choice. I'm not trying to scare you into into Christianity or relationship with Christ. I'm just being honest with you. I'm being truthful with you today. You may never make it home today. You may have a car accident or die. You may find out that you have a disease that will take your life. I don't know. It's reality. But I'm telling you, all you've got to do is call out upon the name of Jesus and he will save you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him and have eternal life. I've asked John to play a video for us this morning. It's a beautiful song. The name of it is called Reckless Love. And the message of this song is just very simple. There's nothing that God won't do to break down the barriers that would prevent you from walking in the fullness of his blessing in your life. God will do everything. He'll move mountains if he has to. The fact of the matter is, he really doesn't have to do anything else because he has already done it all. And as he starts playing this video in just a second, I want to invite you to come and let me pray with you today. Listen, there are people all over this house today that you need to make a decision. Some of you need to make a spiritual decision today. Some of you aren't saved and you know you're not saved. I'm not angry with you. I'm I'm just trying to let you know that you can only play this game for so long. And you got to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And there will be people up here who can help you accomplish that today. But you got to get off the fence. You got to make a choice. You got to make a decision. Because just coming to church and dropping a dollar or two in the offering is not going to get you into heaven. There's only one way that you can get there. And it's through confession in this man, Jesus Christ. And I want you to come in just a moment and let us pray with you. But there are some of you, you're making other kinds of decisions. Some of you are considering things that you know good and well that you shouldn't be considering. Things that you know are outside of the will of God for your life. And you don't know what to do and you don't know how to do it. I believe God's going to give you wisdom today. That's what his Bible says. That's what the word says. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And he will provide it for you today. It may be that you need wisdom over financial matters. Did you know that God's word talks about finances? You just got to make a choice. You got to decide whether or not you're going to let God rule your finances or you're going to take it upon yourself. You just got to make up your mind. There are many, many, many who are in the valley of decision this morning and it's time for you to make a choice. And I'm begging you today, I'm pleading with you, make a decision and let God help you with the areas of your life where you need help. Stand with me if you will. And as he starts this video and begins to play, if you want me to pray with you today, I want you to come and just stand across the front today. I'll I'll pray with you as long as I need to pray with you today. But if you need wisdom, I want you to come and let me pray with you today. Prayer team, you get ready to come and help me pray. I want you to come today with you. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me And you have been so, so good to me 
before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. Mm. Oh, you have been so, so kind to me. We'll pray with you today. Yeah. 
God.